Might say I'm understudy. Might say I'm over the top. But there's like no people. Yes. I'm so excited. Why? <laughs> because you are going to talk to me about this movie. So everyone should know that um, I myself was very trepidatious about watching this. I have a long history with August Wilson, which I'll talk about in a second, but I was like really trepidatious because part of my long history with Wilson is, you know, this is a very verbose writer who writes a lot of monologues and I've watched a lot of three hour Wilson shows. So I was like, oh boy, do I wanna watch three hours? And then I thought I was gonna be too sad watching Chadwick Boseman in his final performance. Do you know why, my sister? Uh-huh. Were you trepidatious? And why did it take me three or four times to convince you to watch it? Um. Well, first of all, I just want to say that shirt is adorable. Was that it's something a, happening with the sleeves? I have a sweater on. This is great for an audio medium. I thought, oh, that's right. But I thought you were going to show your face. I am showing my face. What is I wrong mean, with you? The, when you see, I mean, when people listen, can't they no, see you? No, no, no. I just take the audio. Okay. Well, then that makes a lot more sense. She looks amazing. Thank you for your concern. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, why be racist, sexist, homophobic, or transphobic when you could just be quiet? I was there when you bought that shirt. Oh, that's right. We got it at a thrift store. It was amazing. Yes. It was like made for me. It was. Um, okay. Okay, wait. So, the... mm -hmm. yes, to the topic at hand. Um, okay. For Chad, I was so sad because I was, you know, his last performance and I, and he looked so skinny. And then when I realized it was his last performance, I realized he was probably really sick. Yeah. But I mean, in fact, he was sick in the, all of the movies from, you know, Marshall to Black Panther to um, the baseball movie he made, this movie, throughout all of those movies, he was sick and never told anyone and so he was up against even the at the end wait even when he was making this movie yeah nobody knew everybody all of his co-stars were as shocked as just the general public when it was announced that he died nobody knew he was sick I don't understand how that's possible and there was even one actor who there's a Spike Lee movie on Netflix that Chadwick Boseman was in that is also one of his last films and um he, um, some co-star kind of felt terrible because he was like, I kind of thought he was a diva because he had this like small posse with him who when he wasn't on camera, he'd like sit down and there was like somebody massaging him and like, you know, Ooh. everybody sort of converged around him. And this other actor thought, oh, what a diva. And it turns out he was like literally, you know. Getting chemo or dying. And, like in so much pain. He was in pain. Um, I, I, I believe so. I don't think he, I think he thought he was going to beat it. I don't think he, while I know he's wrestling with all of the reality of his mortality throughout all of it, I really mm -hmm. think 
he, I mean, in fact, he was ready to do Black Panther too, and he had other movies in the work. So, or else whether that was his like attitude to just try and muscle through, or he did not think that it was gonna kill him, but. Ah, uh, and that's good. Cause what's yeah. the point of, yeah. Oh, it got him, so him good. Being, so him being so thin and, you know, sick was one of the reasons you didn't want to watch it. What else? Well, and then um, I didn't realize, even though I knew this, that it's a play. And there's nothing yes. good about plays being turned into TV shows or movies <laughs> that just does not always work or it always doesn't work. Very few. Can you give me a handful of plays that work as a movie? Yeah, but you'd be surprised. I mean, there's a lot of plays that have been turned into movies from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner to Raisin in the Sun to well, that actually in the translated sun is beautifully. One of the only ones, I think. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Um, they kind of take away the, the play aspect and make it a movie. But when you put a yeah, literal play. To... Oh, yeah. Because it was literally just. Well, they don't usually do that, though. They don't usually, like, try to make it a play on film. They usually use the elements of film, which means that they can have, like, exterior shots and, like, everything isn't so insulated. That's well, it was. It yeah. felt very much like a play. Well, we'll get into whether that was a good thing or bad thing for you. I will say the thing that finally convinced me to watch it was I could just tell from the previews, like this was something that was gonna rock my world in that sort of way that like very few things do. Why? Uh, why? Mm -hmm. I could tell just by the level in which Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman even in the previews, you were like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, you this were like that. This is gonna be good. Um, oh, so I, we just started talking. I think you figured out that we're talking about um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is currently on Netflix, uh, a play by the amazing playwright August Wilson, who is sort of considered to some degree the Shakespeare of um, the Black American canon in theater. Um, and the synopsis of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is as follows. Tensions mm -hmm. and temperatures rise at a Chicago music studio in 1927. Ma Rainey joins her band for a recording session. I actually love how simple that synopsis is because so much more happens, but really when it comes down to it, this is one of Wilson's more you know, simplest plays. It's one of his first and that is literally sort of what happens. Like that's the reason they're all there, you know? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's Netflix's synopsis and I, appreci I appreciated its simplicity. And the other thing about Wilson, I should say, I should, I will say preemptively, I am not a, an expert on Wilson by any stretch of the imagination. And um, so I am somewhat coming at this, yes, as a theater person who's actually had Wilson in my, you know, realm forever. Yeah, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, but not an expert. So um what is your like what did you know? So you didn't know this was a play. I did not realize it was a play. Did you know who August Wilson was? Yes, but I didn't I don't know. I did not put much together. I never think of August Wilson as anybody but one of those writers like 
Faulkner and um, Hemingway that um, you just hear and you're like, ah, yes, August Wilson. He's an amazing playwright. And then writes those specific types of plays with certain type of voice. But I never, I was not that familiar with him as an African-American, you know, playwright. For me with August Wilson as an actress, um, I feel like, you know how like they're, I used to always get tripped up in um, Catholic school when they were like, how did they say it? Like, Jesus, was it? No, no. God is always there. God never had a beginning. Do you remember when they used to say that? No, and I'd always be like, well, he had to have had a beginning. Uh He couldn't have just always like been there. Uh But that's how I feel about Wilson, which is that like, (laughs) ever since my professional career as an actor started, he was always omnipresent. Oh my gosh. And not only was he omnipresent, he was totally um, unattainable because I am not a Wilson woman, right? So he writes very specific kind of female characters and being a black girl from a white suburb, he wasn't writing about me for me. Like I always felt out of sorts if somebody wanted me to audition for Wilson or I just Really, you would have been, I was thinking about how good you would have been at that. As Ma Rainey? Yes, uh, maybe because you've just gotten more and more like into that part of your culture as I've gotten to know you and grown into it. Yeah. I was just it's, thinking you would kill it, man. It's so funny because like I would literally feel like such an imposter even to this day trying really? to pull Really? Yeah, certainly Ma Rainey. Um, uh-huh. um, and then I have this love-hate thing with it because he's a gorgeous playwright, but he's so like his monologues and um, agonizing they're so big and long and every character and all of his pieces are ensemble pieces gets like their speech and they're gorgeous stunning but it is a solid three hours except for I believe the play version of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is relatively short but of course they edited the hell out of this Netflix um because that was not three hours oh no 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 they they edited it and I think it was a smart move um and it was one of the first times where I felt like it was over too quick I Ah. loved it that much and so that to me was like at first I was like that's no way that was three hours and then you find out um uh it was not which I'm just gonna say very possibly Wilson would have benefited from editing some of the um, dialogue in the plays, but nobody yeah. at that point was going to be telling him that. Um, right. So, because okay, really, so, how often does a black character get a voice? Well, that's the like, tr- right. Yeah, and I mean they're gorgeous and they're stunning and they're like no, he doesn't have really an equal as far as they go. So, really, I should be quiet. I mean, they're fine, but they're very, I don't know. They're, it's just like, it's like a jazz band where, you know, everybody yeah. has a solo and you're like, oh yes. my God, there's a 40 piece band. They're just going to go that on is- and on and on. Even though everybody right. sounds amazing. You're just like, right. uh-huh, we get it. And that is 100%. Like it is like 100% the, the sort of recurring element of his plays is that right. it's like an orchestra and it's like every character is a different instrument and the yes. musicality and the poetry. It is just 
beyond. Um, so I have like three playwrights who like I've shaped part of my sort of core as a writer and um, storyteller. And that Wilson would be one along with Lorraine Hansberry, Tony Kushner. Um, but Wilson is one, even though that's not my writing style at all. It's just right. still like to know that words could be so gorgeously articulated just blows my mind. Oh um, my goodness. Okay. So our next, um, before we really get into talking about it, I want to do some fast facts about various cast members or um, members of the production team. Mm -hmm. um, so Glenn Herman, do you know who that is? Which one? No. So he played I mean, the character of Toledo. Yes, I mean, I know them uh, by sight, but yes. Right. So he played Toledo, Glenn Turman, uh -huh. who my entire life, by the way, he's one of those mainstay Black actors who I have known of since I think I started watching movies. I have all these years thought his last name was Thurman, but apparently it's not. It's Turman. Oh, there you and go. And he plays um, the character of Toledo. And he was the original son in the Broadway play Raisin in the Sun with Sidney Poitier. Oh, really? That's how long, yep, that's how long he's been in the biz. He was married to Aretha Franklin. No. <laughs> yep. Really? And he is in one of those sort of iconic Black movies called Cooley High. Do you remember that movie? Uh-uh. So um, he's like kind of, again, he's just like in black culture, you know, he also was in a different world. He played the Colonel in like a different world. So he's just been around forever and he's actually never gotten his due. And I'm hoping maybe he will for this and maybe get like a supporting actor nomination. Um, Viola Davis, who plays Ma Rainey. Please. Uh, is a triple threat who has won an Emmy, an Oscar and a Tony for King Hedley, uh, the second, which is an August Wilson play. And if you're ever surfing YouTube, look up her performance on the Tony Awards, where she delivers this monologue, which she's just, it is just amazing. She's a beast. It's really something really? you said. She spent, yeah. And she has spent, she spent years in Hollywood playing the best friend character, like, um, opposite say like Diane Lane and Under the Tuscan Sun or she'd be oh. in Law and Order. And uh -huh. so like for this point in her career to be like getting to do the type of stuff she's doing is pretty amazing. Um, George C. Wolfe, the director is mm -hmm. um, a stalwart Broadway director who um, is the writer and director of the play, The Colored Museum, which is like, you know, every black actor who went to theater school at some point either performed in that, was told yeah. to do a monologue from that, did a monologue from that. It's like one of those plays. And he's oh. really, so he's an amazing director, storyteller. And uh -huh. I think he was just, you know, I think he did a great job, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so now we're gonna talk about, we're gonna start with Gina. Yes. Things that you loved oh, about the movie. Um, I had almost nothing. What? I didn't, yeah, I, that's what, I'm like, you're listening to you like, hmm. Um, well, that's I, partly why I wanted to talk to you about it, because I was really curious for, you know, everybody that I've heard from has just gone gaga over it, but we're all theater geeks, right? And I was right. really curious with somebody who has no knowledge, you know, whatever knowledge of Wilson, but like, not this sort of like, 
reverie that reverence rever- that for him right reverence i'm like yeah him. yeah that's nice um i did not okay well let's i will say i liked um toledo's speech yes i didn't i liked i mean obviously chad's speech about the white person but it was overly um responsive to the situation at hand disproportionate perhaps yes it was a little bit cray cray and i mean we can see why but well yeah so the other band members are like giving them a hard time for being like kind of obsequious to a white person and they're like oh you know making fun of him and he turns on him and he tells this whole monologue about how his men raped his mother and then his dad was like oh yes sir no sir and then came back and killed four of them yes exactly so that's the whole monologue and that's the whole response i do wonder if that's a product of some of the loss of dialogue through the editing like if there was more there to drive him to that response right because also they're like they're just um well let me stick to the things i like okay um i love the moment about this child with the the stutter i love the fact that she was gonna let him do it no matter what and it didn't stress him out. He wanted the opportunity too, and then he didn't. It was interesting to me to why did they have him in there? Why was that an important thing? Why does she have to fight for him? Why? What was the symbolism behind all that? So we're talking about this sequence where you know Ma Rainey has arrived to record a song at this studio in Chicago owned by these white guys. Her black bandmates are there, um, and she's brought along her basically her girlfriend, this young woman, and her nephew, who she promised she would take care of. And so they're about to record the song, and she wants him to record the introduction, but he has a stutter. And so it's like, it's meant for comedic effects. Some people actually think it's kind of uh, making fun of his stutter. Um, But it's also a very fun moment when he suddenly does it really well right but um I don't know I think it just speaks to you know one of the things that I'll say about that I loved is that the character of Ma Rainey especially the way Viola Davis has performed her is like the embodiment of I don't give a fuck and knowing her worth and I think like every black woman should just watch her in terms of how she responds to anything she doesn't want to happen. She like, I, what? That's what scared, that made me nervous through the whole movie. I'm like, who does this woman think she is? Well, that's the thing. And you, did you think she was going to get hurt? Well, I just figured somebody would be like, okay, then leave. Like, why did she have such power? Why did they want her music so desperately, these white people, you know? Well, mm-hmm. I see, but I and see that's one of the things I love about Wilson's work because I think that that's actually a larger conversation. It's exactly that. It's about appropriation. It's about how everybody steals black culture, you know. Um, and this is just like this little, you know, step, snapshot moment of somebody understanding like I make you money. 
and you can't make that money without me. And therefore, I'm going to make the rules. I'm going to call the shots. And if you don't, I can go back south. And there's that like conversation between the north and south, which is that right. in Chicago, she has to navigate the white power structure. But when she's in the south, she doesn't. And so for her, she has nothing to lose because she can just go back to her tour in the south. And so like, wait, I don't know. Wait. So that's the thing. She doesn't, she really doesn't care about recording that song. No. She really doesn't. So they they have nothing on her. She's like, they have nothing on her. She there's... knows she's the best. She knows they want it because they can profit from her. And it's kind of like, it's a lesson. I mean, I really mean it when I say it's like a lesson to black women, like knowing our worth and like, um, you know, there's, and it is somewhat unbelievable and scary when you, especially like, they do a scene before she comes into the studio where she's confronting these white men and then the police arrive and yeah, I see that. I saw that. Right. Um, but then the white guy, if I'm, is, doesn't the white guy come in and kind of get her out of the situation? He gets her out of all the situations. Yeah. And then you're like, does this guy even care about her? Or does he just want, does he just see dollar signs too? He just sees dollar signs. Well, and that's one of the things that I thought was really interesting um, which I haven't seen, I guess I haven't seen as close up just because I've only ever seen it on stage, but I love how obsequious the white people were. There's two white men who, you know, who work in the recording studio. And yeah. I don't know if I can even, um, reference another film where I've gotten to see that power dynamic flipped. Ever. Yeah. And not with the other white guy, but with that one. But even a little with the other white guy, because he doesn't kick her out. He doesn't tell her to shut up. He doesn't slap her, which he easily could during back then. But I think that's just because the other guy keeps running interference. Well, that too. But and the other, the guy, I don't know. I It was so strange to watch a white man run interference like that for a black woman. Yeah. Because, I mean, because did he... But then when she went outside, outside of where she had any use to anybody, right. and those white people were like all standing around, or when they went to the store to try to get a Coke. Yep. And it was just like, and it's the North, so it's like all this fake welcoming, Yeah, you know, but nobody really wanted them there. No, I don't think he wants any, I don't think it's, and what I liked about it was they didn't have one of those moments where it's like, oh, chortle, 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 we've got history. So we've, we've somehow, you know, risen above the color barrier. Like, no, it's like, no. he wants her to sing because she makes money and he's got to please her in order to get her to sing in order to get the money that she makes, period. And, and she, she will knows do what he's it. Do. She knows it. And um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of love seeing that. And I love, you know, the way I've normally seen that role played um, is the Ma Rainey is sort of um, loud and takes up a ton of space, which is a totally reasonable interpretation, but I loved how Viola Davis underplayed everything and, she didn't, did right but yeah she didn't, and, but she looked like a clown you know she's one of those actors who just loves to transform so she wore like a bodysuit to make her look heavier and then she was saying like 
pictures that she did see, there aren't a lot of pictures of her or no, she read a description of what um, Ma Rainey looked like on stage and it looked like she had grease paint on. So she like ran with that, but I'm like, but oh, she wouldn't have applied the makeup that way. <laughs> what the hell? Like with her eyes just like punched out and her red, I mean, I guess you end up sweating and stuff like that. And it was the South, but yes. yeah, I did not, it was distracting when I saw the actual real photos yeah. of Ma Rainey, I was like, the woman was unabashedly ugly mm-hmm. and unabashedly she black and yep. unabashedly amazing. And the crowd, I mean, her people accepted all of it. Exactly. You got like church ladies in the front row sitting there just loving yep. it because they did it for themselves. And she was just like, I don't, yeah, that is that is one powerful, powerful woman there. But and I think, yeah, and I I'm think that sure. that's exactly. I mean, so Viola Davis, she has a sixty minutes interview that I watched, and she essentially said that she's like, I saw a picture of her. I saw she had the gold teeth. I read the thing about the grease paint. She was a heavy set woman. And she just wanted to like burrow into it. And I just, I mean, I I don't even know sometimes if I'm that kind of actress. I really admire actors who are like literally willing to do anything. Like when I'm faced with like, would you cut your hair for a role? I'm like, hmm, bald cap anyone? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would, I, I don't know. But she would, this is an actress who would literally do, I think anything for a role, does not give a fuck what she looks like. Um, has probably in her life been told enough times that she's ugly that she does she just laughs in the face of it and doesn't even right. care. But, and I think that that's parallel also to yeah exactly what you said about Ma Rainey. Like, um, why did she have to be so distracting? See, I didn't find it that distracting, but I could see again how it could be. What I liked about it is that you never really heard her sing. Like you heard her a little bit in the yeah. beginning, but when she just lays down that song mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God, you know, it was so cool. So, so in terms of things that I loved, I, that's one of those things. I just freaking love the embodiment of knowing your worth, her transformation. Um, and um, I just think it's really time to take a little moment and just think, I just need to say that I think Viola Davis has fully unseated Meryl Streep as America's Best Actress. I feel like she's been threatening to do it for a really long time, but I think like this solidifies it. I don't hate Meryl Streep. I hate how everybody says she's the best actress in the world because I don't understand why. So, well, you know what's um, weird though? Like, it's mm. funny because I've always loved her. I've always thought, oh, she's so transformational. And the truth is, She is, but she also has these gestures and mannerisms that carry over to each role, which most actors do. But it's also weird because lately I've seen stuff she's done and I've been like, oh, there's that, there's that. And then I went back and looked at her um, performance in Thatcher, where she played Margaret Thatcher. I recalled Uh it being so transformational. And when I look back at it now, I'm like, oh, she's, she's coming through that entire performance. And it totally comes through in um, Dear Julia or whatever that movie is. Oh, yeah. Uh Julia Childs. Like, Uh what the hell is she doing in the movie? Why? She's like just being a 100% clown. Like, it's... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Julia Julia Childs was... 
She was a drunken fool. Yeah, but she was not like what Meryl Streep is doing sure? in that movie. Oh my God, because we, we watched this really fun little show where like contemporary chefs watch her old cooking show and they like uh-huh. do commentary on it. Uh-huh. And they're just like dazzled by like how she uses knives and whatever. But she is really rather sedate. <laughs> oh my God. So she's one of those those people in history whose cultural persona right. has taken over who they actually were because like right. Dan Aykroyd had his impersonation of her on Saturday Night Live and then oh Meryl God. Streep and everyone does an impersonation, but it's like, she was really pretty chill. <laughs> oh my God. That and is Meryl so Streep funny. is out of control in that performance, <laughs> but she's out of control. So I really feel like I'm like, no, like if you look at the shit Viola Davis has been doing over the past five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. and I guess my bigger point is I hate that it takes people so long to figure out how amazing Black artists are, you know? Like the fact that it took so long for Spike Lee to get a fucking honorary Oscar, right? That he didn't win it for Malcolm X, that he's never gotten his total due. Like, and someone like her, it just drives me freaking crazy. Does it? Like speaks to black people need to do to be seen. I mean, you know, I've seen some of the other possible best actress nominees. I just can't imagine anything they're doing. Who are they? Um, freaking Frances McDormand and Carrie Mulligan, like white actresses who are, are constantly in the roster of, I mean, which is fine. And I'm sure they're doing fine work, but nobody's doing what Viola Davis is doing on that screen with the level of like bravery and just like- Do we have to do what she's doing on the screen? Yes, they do. Why? Oh my God. I mean, she is playing a woman who lends themselves to the most outrageous behavior. So I know I'm not saying it has to be like the same level of like whatever behavior the character has. I just think I do. I've always thought this and like it, it manifests in different ways. It's like, for instance, we talked about that young actress in Jingle Jingle, right? Who comes (laughs) on stage, steals the show, you know, gives Forrest Whitaker a, a run for his money and is amazing. And nobody knows who she is. And it's like a star making turn. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, It'll take forever to see her again, or she'll get little bits and pieces here and there, as opposed to if that were a white actress making that star turn, that would make their career. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing here. Viola Davis has literally <laughs> <laughs> turning herself in, and of course she's been awarded. It's not to say she hasn't. She'll get nominated. If she does not win, I am going to. But. <sighs> Okay, so did you like Ma Rainey? I didn't even like the person that she was. Does it matter? Um, I did because I was like, I did like her because I was like, knowing your worth is intoxicating and alluring. 
And I just thought everything she did was so funny. Her like, don't give a fuck attitude. I was like, I kept laughing and giggling or like, there's the moment where they bring back the Coke that she requested and she drinks it all in one sip. And then like, yeah. there's a like big gulps there. I mean, I just thought it was all hilarious and I just loved it. And well, how about that funny part where she's um, traveling with a minor and molesting her? Hmm? <laughs> well, there's that. Okay. So that's, yeah, uh-huh. that leads that's us funny. into things that made you go, hmm. <laughs> and, um, so Ma Rainey was a, well-known bisexual and in fact that was part of her boldness apparently which was that you know she'd have like female orgies and once again didn't give a fuck and um she in this play this is a fictional character in the play um Mm -hmm. as are the band members um brings along this young woman who's kind like her girlfriend um oh you're telling the people Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) I'm like, I know. (laughs) Uh Um, I don't think she's meant to be a child. I mean, she's a young woman. I guess. It is very upsetting. You that's oh so but here's what this is actually one issue I had with it was and Uh apparently it's an issue. Um I read one article um written by I believe they're gay, and they were basically saying what a missed opportunity in terms of how they handled her being bisexual. And, you know. Why? Well, because they think, uh, this person clearly didn't understand the play or know of the play or understand that that's not the point of the play, you know, like about other things. Um, But the way they did it, I think they made this choice that you can tell, or what did you think? Like, did you think that this girl loved Ma Rainey? Oh, God, no. What did you think? She was a kept woman. Right. And I mean, she was like, she didn't hate her and she wasn't totally using her, but it was an agreement. Yeah. Well, I don't see, I, I feel like the way they shot it, they have this moment where Ma Rainey comes up behind her and is like holding her by the waist and you yes. sort of a close up on her face and she looks uncomfortable, but she's trying to look like she likes it. Like, because exactly. Has to mm-hmm. do. Like none. I, I don't recall that being a thing in the play. And I think it sets it up that she's just that, like a kept woman that she's kind of in a power dynamic with her. And I don't think that's entirely fair. And that's what this writer was saying, partly. They were also saying like, oh, Why isn't that you know. fair? Because I guess it just speaks to this narrative that because she's like big, you know, fat, dark and ugly, she couldn't have someone like that love her. It's not about that. It's that the girl is, I mean, they're just using, she's not a nice person. Ma Rainey was not worried about other people's feelings. She's like, I want her. And you, and she didn't want her flirting with anybody or doing anything. Right. And she just wanted what she wanted. I don't think she, she just wanted what she wanted. I don't think she was very nice and thoughtful personally. No, I don't either. But I just, right. I don't know. I just was like, that's, I mean, it was clearly a, a very specific choice. And the director clearly had told them to play it that way. I thought that they didn't have to play it that way. People could have projected their own whatever onto it, but that made it like more definitive. And It would not have made any sense to have her be like, oh, I love you, Ma. No. Right. It right. was exactly what it would have been like. But yeah, so that was a little bit strange. Um, 
what were things that just you couldn't bear? Here's your opportunity. (laughs) I hated when they walked into that room, the black men. And you just know it was the most disgusting, awful place that you could ever put anybody. Right? Yeah, no, I totally thought the same thing. And they have this moment. This is the like backstage area they all go to. And it's like the grossest place earth and I you can tell like there's even a moment like something flashes over one of their faces and then yes. they just go in because it's exactly all they can expect, like right? this is where and, we're gonna be yeah and then there was this other really cool thing I think they did with the space which is there's this door that's locked Levy is convinced yes. that the door's never been there before he keeps trying to bust it open then when he finally does bust it open there's just a wall and there's no right? way out and then also how you as the viewer becomes acclimated to the room probably as quickly as they have to. Yep. You know what I mean? Suddenly yeah. you don't see all of the awfulness that you saw before, you know, and you're like, oh, well, this is where they're at. Totally. They're just totally. practicing. I did like the relationship between Ma Rainey and uh, that other guy. Yeah, that was super cool. Well, that was one of the most beautiful um, style choices was, so Ma Rainey has this monologue sequence where she's talking about jazz music and she's speaking to one of the band members, but it's shot in a way where it's in a sort of close-up. So it almost seems like she's talking to herself or she's talking to us, Uh but then he's like sitting there taking it in. It's really cool. You can tell like they're actually have a relationship. One of the people he trusts and he's like, he's trying to guide Levy to do the right thing and act right. Cause Levy wants to kind of be the star. And it's like, no, Ma Rainey is the star and you need to back up, you know? And that's sort of, so the thing, um, the thing I was going to say that I hated was watching Chadwick Boseman knowing it was his final performance. It literally broke me. Um, Oh. It did do what I thought it was, but also it was so, so exciting to see him in that character. So what I thought fully immersed. And of course you project assuming yes. that he was wrestling with his own. Well, because you know, he talks about like, God, save me. Where's your God? Oh my you know? God. Oh my God. Yeah. I was going to question, you know, do I like him just because I knew this was happening, but I loved him from the moment I laid eyes on him. Um, in Stupid Black Panther, because that's the only time I ever even recognized him. But then you go back and you're like, oh, my God, I loved him immediately. And so it did, did you love him like... immediately in this? No, I didn't no. like his personality in this. No, I didn't like who. But so that, I... that's even a better actor, right? He's so strange. I'm... What is he supposed to be a product of? So, oh, well, I gotta tell you that. But first of all, yes, the thing about instantaneously loving Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther to the point where it just like lines up with this idea that he was a gift to us. <laughs> no doubt, really, seriously. Because him in that role, he literally became, he was a king. The king he, of Africa. Yes, yeah. he was like uh, um, T'Challa and... Um, People, black people were doing that for real, like when greeting each other. (laughs) And also just this idea that he, he held our, like, I've never seen something like that because really he does almost nothing as T'Challa in 
in Black Panther, but it's mm -hmm. all of us projecting onto him that just Everything. like, it's like so amazing. Oh. But um, I liked Levy. I, I, yes, there's a monologue where he basically is saying to God, um, turn your back on me. He's daring God to turn your back on me, on him. At the same time that you know that that's a man who is, is dealing Dying. with um, cancer and his mortality and it is just searing and painful. And I oh. felt like it was sacred. I did. I really felt like this was sacred and it's a gift to oh, watch goodness. that. Huh? Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, but did you not feel that? I tried not to make it more about that than what it may or may not have been, you know? I don't know what sure. his belief system is. But like, I definitely will say I was projecting. I also thought the same thing. Like, I don't know Chadwick Boseman's religion, his connection to God or what, but I feel like it sort of surpassed that. And it wasn't about God as much as it was about mortality and yeah. facing it and... Ugh. You know, I'm the first to say I was projecting all over the place, but it's nearly impossible not to, you know, it's real. And I, I will just say it is truly a stunning performance. I, I mean, I will say like, as somebody who's whatever in the industry, seen a million and 2000 movies from inevitably a critical perspective or right. like, honestly, I think these are two of the most stunning performances I've ever seen. Him and Viola. Him and Viola Davis, Viola, but Viola is nice too. Um, <laughs> him and Viola Davis. I think they're one of the two most stunning performances I've ever seen. And that's why I will just be enraged if we just don't, like a lot of people will be like, oh, he'll get a posthumous Oscar because he died, right? But I'm like, that's not going to be a pity Oscar. Try yeah. to tell me another young actor who is white, who is bringing that kind of performance to screen. And if they did, who wouldn't be like upheld as the greatest actor of their generation. I don't know. They, I mean, that was quite the opportunity. And what do you think he decided to work every possible second of his life? Cause he knew there was like, he was trying to get out there everything before he I died. I really what? do. Like, I do. They say he didn't think he was going to die either. Well, I literally just said that in this episode. <laughs> that was you. I'm like, they said, oh, that was you. There you go. See, this Yeah, it was like 30 minutes ago. This is why we can't have nice things to <laughs> Because I was like, somebody said that. That was really interesting. Hmm, who you know, um, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. Oh, I absolutely uh -huh. He was working against his own mortality. And although I do think he thought he was, because just from a few quotes I've seen, in fact, you know, um, somebody was like, oh my gosh, the physicality you had to go through, you know, because they had, were talking to him once he'd been losing all this weight. They're like to go from, you know, working out for Black Panther to, you know, now and <laughs> like, you don't even know the half of it. Like he was like leaning he said that? text there. Oh yeah. Oh, but nobody knew. Remember, we were convinced some of his co-stars must have known. He told right. no one. I know even Jim, what's his name? His because there's a picture of yeah. the devastating picture, you know, and it's like, yes. they even, but he didn't know them. 
Wait, wait. So there's a picture of Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman. And Michael B. Jordan is behind Chadwick Boseman hugging him. And they are, it is so clearly the most, they are deeply in love with each other, right? Oh my and God. we're not, whether it is sexual or not, these two men in that moment are having this private moment of oh, black male love. It was amazing. I will put it up on Instagram. And this, we saw this picture right after we learned that he died. And Gina and I were like, well, clearly Michael B. Jordan knew. Michael B. Jordan knew. And everybody right? was waiting to hear like statements from them. And it turns out Michael B. Jordan didn't know. Nobody I knew. I mean, how, why would he do that? He just didn't. I, I mean, I don't know, but don't you think it's because he just wanted to do the work and he didn't want people to, you know, overcompensate or. Um, wow. Well, yeah. So the end of the play, well, <laughs> spoiler alert. So he thinks that the white recording um, producers are going to produce some of his songs. And then he has an interaction with the the main guy and the main guy's like ah oh, yeah no I don't think we're gonna we're gonna pass on your songs and he gets really angry and then he gets into an altercation with Toledo who's played by Glenn Thur Turman uh, and Glenn Turman accidentally steps on his shoes so he oh, steps dude. on his shoes and then Levy gets really angry and he's like um, he gets really mad and he ends up stabbing him. The, the sort of 360 bigger picture and like what you said earlier, like not understanding the point of Levy. I think all of it is Levy is representative of the black man who has a dream and the white power structure keeping him out of it, keeping him away from it, not giving him the opportunity. So that frustration and anger he's actually feeling towards the white producer, he then takes it out on his black bandmate. And that's the domino effect. That's what mm -hmm. racism done. It's the internalized rage that we end oh, up right. turning on each other. Right? right? Right. So that for me is what Levy represents. It's like, he's in some ways representative of that relationship between the black man and the white power structure, whether it's watching it, his mother get other. raped. Right. Pardon? And how we take it out on ourselves and each other with sort of where they are in that backstage space, I thought was so sort of powerful and kind of foreshadowing from, you know, foreshadowing having its full circle moment is like, he kills this guy and he's dying in his arms. And all I could think is the only way out is to go back upstairs. There's no way for him to escape oh. um, the destiny of consequence, you know, like that's oh. now his destiny and there's no way he can avoid it. And in some ways there might've never been a way for a him way. to avoid exactly exactly like that door trapped. was not a door it was a trap yeah there is no door so do you like it more now no okay um <laughs> i no, didn't i didn't not like it it was just a play and you know what i think now that you that i'm talking to you i bet in the in in the interest of getting modern America to listen, right? You can only take their, yeah. you know, they can only pay attention for 20 minutes, right? Oh, we, yep. um, they took out parts that might have made me have way more feelings towards some of the characters. Cause like sure. in, um, what's the movie he did where he's uh, Miles Davis? Um, Miles did you see that? Davis. Yeah, Chad Boswick plays Miles Davis. Oh my God, it's uh, so good. 
Are you sure? Uh-huh. It's not Miles Davis. Are you talking not, about? No. Is it, uh, what's his name? What's his name? With the hair. I saw Miles Davis. It's freaking, what's his, oh my God. Oh my God. What is his name? Jay, uh, oh, James Salanoy. Brown, Brown, James, James Brown. James Brown. Uh-huh. James Brown, Miles Davis, same thing. Wait, so what are you saying? He played oh, your that Yeah, because that guy was very much like Levy. Uh, stuck up, stuck on himself, oh. angry. But yeah. you love him because right. they developed so much more of a character. But they didn't no, really it's get an to argument it. for why It's an argument for why Wilson perhaps shouldn't be edited. And I feel almost sacrilegious saying that I liked an edited version of it. But I know purists would like think I was <laughs> the worst. But tough can open up, can of worms to open up right at the end. But how did it hit you to, you know, hear the N-word so much? Oh, my God, I didn't even notice it. What? Holy cow. Oh, my God, they use it nonstop. They do? Uh-huh. And I'm it's so usually un- uncomfortable with it. I did not even notice it. That's really wild. No, for me, that was, it's always tough for me. I don't have a, a I don't like the word. I am mm-hmm. not a fan of people using the word, even in jest and in love. It's, mm-hmm. you know, certainly wasn't in our culture growing up, even as Haitian Americans. And obviously because we grew up in all white suburbs, I, I, I just stay out of it, but it's hard. And, and the thing that I don't, I wonder how that's hitting, you know, contemporary mainstream audiences. I Ooh. almost want to run to try to explain it as part of like, this is part of the poetry, but ugh, I still, it always jars me. But- it's, it's, wait, but the black people are the only ones saying it, right? Yeah. Yes. Which Maybe I think that's different. Why I didn't notice. Oh, that's cool. Like I noticed it so much and it, I sort of hate it, but I also know I don't get to. Decide. I have to go back. I literally. Oh my God. You're going to laugh so hard because literally it's so early and often throughout the play. <laughs> wow. That's so cool that you didn't notice it. It is. Well, maybe I think it is just because well, maybe it's not cool. I don't know. I don't know. It was ama- It was insane. That's insane. How do you feel about the word period? Oh, I hate it. I hate the word. I hate the word. I don't want to hear about reclaiming it. I don't want to hear about any of that nonsense. Yeah, neither do I. The word is a derogatory I... term and yeah. we are buying into it every time we continue to let it live. So Agreed. Agreed. And not so interested. No. Yeah. Well, on that. Um, um, wow. Sister. Yes. You watched it. I did watch it. And now I can say that I watched it. But um, right. well, yes, Chaz's thing was, I mean, as much as I may be complaining, it was mouth open, staring at the screen like what just happened to me. And that's why I feel like what a gift. That, we that was something else, man. That was something else. That story. Whew. They say amazing grace. How fucking sweet the sound. Not the ring from a steeple sound from the heart. That's where freedom's found. Maybe it'll be all.